See? How does that sound? Okay. Th these things always make me nervous because I'm afraid I'll accidentally turn it on and people will hear my singing voice. And uh, I'll look behind me and there'll be nobody here. Sometimes it's interesting how we get into Scripture. Um, I've given this particular, well, this is just a, a minor part. I've given this uh, uh, presentation on the illegal trials and crucifixion of the Lord probably at least three times in, on Sunday morning class. And it took a quarter to do it. It won't take that long tonight. I'm just hitting a few high points. Um, but it started probably with the same way that you get started sometimes. I, I thought, what happens to a man when he's crucified? And that was the genesis of what accumulated a lot of material accumulated after that. And that was not a politically insensitive statement. What happens to a man who is crucified? Because there are very few women that were ever crucified. Crucifixion was not for the purpose of killing somebody. Crucifixion was for the purpose of humiliating the victim so they were crucified naked. And even for the Roman mind, that was unthinkable for a woman to be displayed in that way. And the other purpose was to terrorize. If you don't obey Rome, you rebel against Rome, this can be you. And that's the purpose of it. Terrorize and humiliate. That's what the Savior put up with for us. Uh, so, and a Roman, of course, could not be crucified. That was ill, unless he was a traitor. Crucifixion was reserved for the lowest criminals. It is the, and, and, and the reason I say you may want to find your own area. Uh, the scripture is, it's, it's the glory of God to conceal a thing and the honor of kings to search it out. We are kings and priests unto God. So what this subject matter is, is for family. It's for the kings and priests of God. The general population is not going to get it, and they don't get it, as it's often displayed on A&E on &E or the History Channel and places like that. You'll see these things, and you're sitting there going, did you study it all? You know, where, where, where did you get this? And some of it's just pure speculation or, or whatever, and that kind of uh, misinformation uh, troubles me, that that's going out to a population that really can't make that distinction. It's been the subject of a lot of confusion. And that's sad because it is the fundamental, we're, we're talking about the trial, crucifixion of Christ. This is the fun, fundamental event in human history. Everything before led up to that. Everything after the trial and crucifixion and resurrection of the Lord proceeded from that. But if you were a bird flying over the encampment of the people of Israel as they left Egypt, you would see the 12 tribes camped in the shape of a cross. If you look at the tabernacle, Moses' tabernacle, 
the placement of the articles, the, the table of incense, etc., the showbread, uh, the candlestick, it's in the approximate position of a cross. Everything is leading up to this event. Um, so I'm just going to, and, and one of the things I would encourage you to do is, 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 is most everyone knows, if you're going to have, when, before you take a commun communion, Psalms 22 is always a wonderful place to go. And John 18 is always a wonderful place to go. Um, there's some things, when I say it's, it's for family, there are things that are in Scripture that will go right past a non-family member. John 18, they have gone to the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, one thing you need to know, Jesus and his disciples went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane is got trees. It's blocking out the moon. We're probably talking about a small army that went to arrest Jesus. Estimates are anywhere from 500 to 750 people. Now, why would that be? Well, Jesus has just been given a hero's welcome. Hosanna, save us. There would be no better place for an ambush than the Garden of Gethsemane. And if you're Pontius Pilate, you don't want to lose your high priest or your, your priests that are, uh, that, that would not be good job security for you. And you have to bear in mind the dynamic the, the, the city of Jerusalem is packed overflowing. The estimates given by uh, uh, Josephus are probably overdrawn, but still, it's a multiple of what the city would normally have. And they're all thinking liberation. And this whole city is abuzz with whether or not, in effect, the authorities have put out an arrest warrant for Jesus. They didn't have a warrant because they didn't have a charge. They just wanted to get their hands on him so they could kill him. And everybody knew it. So the buzz was, is he going to show up? Will he be here? Well, he does arrive in the way that in Zechariah, the Messiah is going to arrive. The Jewish people get it, and it literally rocks Jerusalem. And all the Pharisees are going, Jesus, tell your people to hold it down. You're going to bring the Romans down on us. And they had reason for that because, what, 70 years later, the Romans did come down on them for a rebellion. So they are, their, their fears as far as a rebellion are not unjustified. They're, they're, they're justified. Um, but they're going to try to arrest Jesus, and they're going to bring 500 people against him, 500 to 750 they're bringing lanterns. They're bringing torches. They think Jesus will be hiding from them because there's a series of caves. There's all kinds of places to hide. It's dark. He surprises them. And in verse 4, he says, uh, Jesus, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said, Whom seek ye? Then answered them, Jesus of Nazareth. 
Jesus said unto them, I am he. Now that I am shook Sinai. These guys, purposed soldiers who know how to take a defensive or an offensive posture. I don't know about Herod's guard. They weren't any, they were probably just tough guys. But the others were army people. They went down like dominoes. It says that they went over backwards. As soon then as he said, had said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. So now you got all these guys on the ground. Now at that point I would have resigned my commission in the Roman army and said, I'll see you later. But th amazingly, they got back up. And he asked, whom sink thee? And he said again, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus says, I have told you that I am he. If therefore you seek me, let these go their way. He's arranging for the release of his disciples. And when you look at those verses, there's not a pretty please in there at all. That's an order from the guy that just puts you flat on your back. Okay? So he is in charge of this situation. He's trying to arrange for his disciples not to be arrested because they would be subject probably to the same uh, punishment that he was going to receive. And then Peter nearly blows it, of course, um, with what he did, with cutting off uh, the... Uh, ear of the uh, of Malchus and then Jesus heals him now these guys are purposed they have seen a blatant display of raw power but that put them on the ground then they just seen overwhelming mercy by Jesus he healing the ear of the, uh, the servant of the high priest and yet they're still purposed to arrest him so they lead him away to, to Annas now you might wonder, okay, what's up with this? There's Annas and there's Caiaphas. Who's the high priest? That's explained by the fact that in the Hebrew system, you're a high priest, you're a high priest for life. And Annas had been high priest. The Romans didn't want that much power vested in anyone, so they broke it up. They, had, they changed the high priest about every year. But Annas was still what we would call the godfather. He was the mastermind over the entire temple complex that had turned into a cash generating money maker he and his family he had like five son-in-laws that were the high priests um, the initial charge when they got Jesus they brought him to Annas that's almost uh find what I'm looking for here. Now Caiaphas was the one that said it's expedient for one man to die for the people. That's a murder conspiracy. He, when he told the, the uh, Greek, don't you all know, know anything? You don't know anything at all? It's expedient that one should die for the people? That is a murder conspiracy by the ruling uh, ecclesiastical authority in Israel at the time. So Annas really didn't have a legal place in this situation, but he wanted to see Jesus bound because he was aware that he had 
uh, throwing out the money changers out of the temple. And uh, so Annas starts to make his inquiry of Jesus. And Jesus responds in verse 20, I spake openly in the world I ever taught in the synagogue, again in the temple, whether the Jews always resort. And in secret I've said nothing. Why askest thou me? It's an improper question. Why askest thou me? Ask them which heard me what I have said unto them. Behold, they know what I said. Now that's not a contemptuous answer. In the mouths of two or three witnesses it will be established. But see, they don't have two or three witnesses. And they didn't get them together quickly enough because all this was on them too fast. And you've got to bear in mind in the Hebrew system, two or three witnesses have to tell the exact same story. And they didn't have time to get them lined up. Jesus knows that. And he's not willing to make a statement against himself. It's an improper thing to do anyway. So Jesus does not give countenance to the improper question of Annas. So he sent him to Caiaphas. Annas was brilliant, by the way. He was in his 70s or 80s, but he was, he was brilliant. Uh, but when you run into truth itself, and you get this kind of answer, I've spoken to every, and, you know, I've not been quiet about anything. Asked the, all he's calling for is proper legal procedure. There's nothing contentious about that. And Annas couldn't deal with it. So that resulted in the first blow to Jesus. When they say he struck him by the palm of the hand, he's not talking about a slap. That hand is holding a baton, what we call a baton, some kind of stick. So that was the first, first blow to Jesus. And Annas sent him to Caiaphas. Now Caiaphas is the one that conspired to kill Jesus. Jesus had already been declared a false prophet by the Sanhedrin. And like I said, the next... The next time they got their hands on him, they planned to kill him. Um, they had a problem. They didn't have the power to do it. Use uh, Ladai, I probably said that wrong. The power of the sword had been taken away from the, from the Hebrew people. So although they wanted to kill Jesus, they didn't have the authority to kill Jesus, and they needed someone to step in and do it. That's where Pontius Pilate came in. He was the legal authority that had the power of capital punishment. But the problem is, and to really uh, fully appreciate what's going on here, you almost have to be an, a lawyer. You don't surprise a judge. They surprised a the judge. What accusation do you bring against him? Uh, blasphemy? No. Pilate doesn't care about blasphemy in a Hebrew court. So they uh, were floundering around trying to find a... Well, he was uh, perverting the nation. What does that mean? I mean you know, I said, didn't, he said not to pay the taxes. Okay, well, it's important to pay taxes, you know. And he said he was a king. Bring him up. One thing Tiberius would not tolerate was any kind of insubordination. Now, Pontius Pilate, even though he married 
the daughter of, or the granddaughter of Tiberius, he was not in real good with his boss. He had had three, diff three problems, two of them involving standards, Roman standards, which they considered, the Hebrews considered idolatry. Another were one concerned probably a much needed aqueduct, but he used temple money to, to build it. Well, the last time he put Roman insignias on uh, standards, they appealed to Rome, and guess what? Tiberius backed back the Jews. How would a proud Roman feel about that? The ice underneath him is cracking. He's got a city full of people. The dynamic is, it, 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 the atmosphere would be electric. Um, so that's, that's the situation when they bring, and he first, Pilate tries to make it what you call a nuisance case. Take him and judge him by your law. But then when they come up with the uh, making himself a king, he can't, he, he can't make it a nuisance case anymore. But then somebody says, well, he's doing this all over Galilee. <gasps> really? So he's a Galilean. The judge's way out. Jurisdiction. Herod Antipas is in town. Send him to Herod Antipas. Pontius Pilate just got off the hook. Pontius Pilate tries a number of methods of really pretty ingenious to get to avoid dealing with the question, what shall I do with Jesus? That's the question it gets down to. He asks the question of the mob toward the end. He keeps trying to avoid it. He try, tries to accommodate it with Barabbas. Who do you want me to get? Well, surely they're going to take Bar Jesus over Barabbas. No, they want Barabbas. They chose the world. They chose darkness over light. Um, we try today, or people try today, to avoid the question, what shall I do with Jesus? But there was no getting around it. The question kept coming back. You're going to have to deal with it, Pontius Pilate. Pilate was a Roman. He dealt with it as a Roman would. He tried every way politically correct to do it, but he wouldn't take a stand. Had he taken a stand, there's not a doubt in my mind, he'd have been recalled, probably executed, but he'd be in heaven today. But he wouldn't take a stand. So he delivered Jesus over and allowed the, the, uh, the mob to do what they wanted to do anyway. Um, the 30 pieces of silver, what's significant about that? Uh, G Judas uh, really that negotiation was foretold in Zechariah. 30 pieces of silver. That's the price of a slave in Exodus. That was the value that Judas placed upon Jesus. 30 pieces of silver. And um, one thing I left out, when they first tried, Pontius Pilate said, bring an accusation against him. They were I can't. That's a not guilty. That's an admission that I can't, I can't think of anything. And if you want to have some, uh, some amusement, you can look at the, the, the ways that the Holy Spirit declares Christ not just not guilty, 
down in criminal court, the plea is not guilty. Here it's innocent. Jesus was, Pilate says, I find no fault in him. Pilate's wife said, don't have anything to do with this innocent man. Uh, the centurion, surely this man was the son of God. Uh, the lack of an accusation when the Jews went before Pilate. All of that goes to the fact that it's like the Holy Spirit says, he's innocent, he's innocent, he's innocent. If Jesus was guilty of anything, he couldn't be our atonement. He couldn't be our sacrifice. Another thing that's important to remember about this, horrific as crucifixion was, and it was a horrific form of death, that's what God is just, and that's what he thinks of sin. And we think, of well, those Romans sure were cruel back in those days. That was what God thought of sin. And he didn't pull any punches. It was all poured out on Jesus. Another thing to watch for when you're, when you're looking at, if you will notice, Pontius Pilate, Jesus is the one that remains calm in the whole undertaking. He's got a calm demeanor. He's got a royal demeanor. And Pontius Pilate hadn't seen anything like this before. And he said, are you asking this, are you a king? Are you asking this question of yourself or because somebody told you? Whoa. Most defendants usually don't talk like that. He was much better. He knew that he was dealing with a very special individual. Um, his respect level goes up every time Pontius Pilate deals with Christ. To the point that he gets desperate trying to save him. But not before. He says, I have found him not guilty, therefore I will scourge him and let him go. Now, how cowardly is that? He's not guilty, therefore I will scourge him and let him go. That's a concession to the people. But Pilate, multiple times, multiple times pronounces him not guilty. Downtown, if they say not guilty, everybody goes home. The crowd insisted. And Pilate was trying to avoid an uproar. He was trying to avoid uh, riots in the streets. And he conceded and caved in to the request of the crowd. Um, you hear some things, some people say that there's different, well, the gospel writers disagreed with these. No, they didn't disagree. The gospel writers had a different purpose in writing. Matthew was establishing that Jesus, the son of David, rightful heir to the messianic throne. Mark, Jesus is the servant. He's a servant of man and an end of God. Luke, Luke is writing to a, a Gentile audience, Greeks. They're not familiar with Jewish customs and things like that. So he's writing to a different audience. John is the one that I find the most interesting of the gospel writers dealing with the crucifixion of Christ. John deals with Jesus as deity. Okay. He is divine. And that's, that's his perspective. Jesus didn't just have one trial or two trials. He had actually six. And at three of those... The three civil trials, the three Roman trials, he was pronounced not guilty, but he still turned over 
for the Jews to be crucified. Uh, did it happen at all? Some people question. Here's what Tacitus, a Roman historian, said. And you can tell he's no friend of Christians. All right? Here's what Tacitus said. Christus, that's Jesus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators, Pontius Pilate, at a most mischievous at a most mischievous superstition, thus checked for the moment, again broke out not only in Judea and at the first source of the evil, but even in Rome, where all things hideous and shameful from every part of the world find their center and become popular. Now that's kind of a left-handed admission, but it is an admission that Pontius Pilate did crucify Jesus. Uh, Flavius Josephus, who's a Jewish historian, of course, he had very little to say uh, about Jesus, but he did say this. He wasn't a Christian, by the way. At about that same time, there lived Jesus, a wise man, for he was a performer of marvelous feats and a teacher of such men who received the truth with pleasure. He attracted many Jews and many Greeks. He was called the Christ. Pilate sentenced him to die on the cross, having been urged to do so by the noblest of our citizens. But those who loved him at first did not give up their affection for him, and the tribe of Christians who are named after him have not disappeared to this day. Still true. However you get into whatever issue it is in the, that, that, that you find an interest in, just keep digging and it will grow and uh, it will multiply that's what uh, this study of, of uh, on the crucifixion did and it became um, more and more interesting it, it, it's the nature of the Bible the deeper you, that you dig the more interesting it gets it's nev I've never seen an inconsistency you just keep digging with the, with the uh, aid and help of the Holy Spirit more truths are revealed to you. So I hope your communion experience is helped a little bit by uh, my remarks tonight. I appreciate very much you coming out. If there's anyone uh, who can, uh, who is uh, uh, subject to the invitation, please come forward as we stand and sing.